Do you think financial services providers do enough to communicate their products and services to consumers? My first guest on the first episode of the Marketing Protection and Finance podcast is an advertising expert, so let's hear what he has to say on this subject. Hi, it's Roger Edwards here and welcome to the Empath Podcast. This is the podcast for providers and advisors looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of protection and finance. You can find the notes that go with the show at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash empath. In the meantime, let's get on with the show and prepare to be inspired. As this is the first episode of the Empath Podcast, before I introduce my guest today, let me tell you a little bit about myself and why I'm launching this new show. I'm Roger Edwards, and I've been marketing and developing financial services products for over 20 years. I'm the ex-marketing director and managing director of Bright Grey and Scottish Provident, part of the Royal London Group. I've always been passionate about the positive changes we can make to people's lives, but believe that we can still do a lot more to become truly customer-focused. I think the industry is still too complex and needs to do more to promote itself positively. So what better way to explore how we might do this than to talk to some of the industry's expert marketers, advisors, technology gurus and journalists. The Empath Podcast lasts between 20 and 30 minutes, so it's ideal for commuting in the car, on the train, or even listening to whilst running or training at the gym. The main focus of the Empath podcast is on what we can do to make protection and finance more accessible to the consumer. And so we'll be talking about marketing, communications and propositions. We'll look at finance and protection products, interesting business models and campaigns, as well as how advisors can promote their own businesses using modern content marketing and social media methods. My aim is to ensure that you will get one or two big ideas that you can apply to your own business, whether it's a sales idea, advice idea, a product tweak, or simply an app or a book that's worth looking at. So that's what the Empath Podcast is all about. Time to meet my first guest. I'm delighted to introduce my guest today, and he is Lucian Camp. For those of you who don't know Lucian, He's one of the most well-known financial services marketers, having worked at some point with nearly every major brand except, he tells me, Standard Life. Lucian first founded a financial services marketing agency back in 1989 and a second one in 1997. He's since set up Lucian Camp Consulting in 2010. He tells me it means a heady cocktail of experience and creativity and an inexplicable enthusiasm for applying both to brand marketing and communications problems in financial services. He's a popular speaker at events and is well known for his strong views on advertising. In fact, I first saw Lucian present at a dinner in 2004 where he played videos of the top TV ads of the time, and then he mercilessly tore them apart. So welcome, Lucian, to the Empath podcast. It's great to have you on board. Thanks, Roger. And how are you today? What are you doing? 
Yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I mean, you're working away up there in, in Scotland. I'm down here in London. It's a bank holiday today, so I do want you to know that I'm going the extra mile for your podcast. It's a bank holiday morning. It's well, well appreciated. And before we get into our main discussion, let's just find out a little bit more about you, Lucian. Tell us about your background so that we can get to know you a bit and find out what makes you tick. Well, uh, I suppose if we go if we go way back into ancient history, uh, I was one of those people who studied English at university, which I enjoyed, and I, I loved the subject and enjoyed my studies. But afterwards, it does leave you wondering a little bit what to do with your life. Um, so I took the obvious uh, option, played in a band for a few years. Uh, that was great, I loved it, but that was completely unsuccessful. So that left me again wondering, what am I going to do with myself? And uh, at that time, the obvious answer to that question was, become an advertising copywriter. Uh, that's what you do when you can kind of speak English and nothing much else. Uh, so you went, you went from a bass guitarist to a copywriter in one fell swoop. I did. I did. And, uh, and discovered that the advertising world, you know, even on a fairly bad day, is slightly better than working for a living. Uh, so I've stayed more or less in that, uh, in that world ever since, more or less. And what drew you to the financial services industry? Because that's mainly where you've um, mm. used your marketing experience so far. That's true, and I think the answer to that, Roger, in a word, is greed. Um, a long time ago, I'd started off producing advertising for uh, uh, chocolate bars and, and, and lager and, and cars and so forth, and then I was offered a job at an agency that specialised in financial services, offering me a big promotion and a lot of money. Uh, it's in financial services, but hey how difficult can that be? Uh, so I took that job and found, much to my surprise, that the world of financial services was uh, was hypnotically interesting, and uh, I've stayed there ever since. I think that's quite an interesting thing to say, because quite a lot of people, especially in the marketing industry, would say financial services is actually very dull. You know, protection products are dull, savings products are dull. The man on the street really isn't interested in that, but you actually have a different view of that, don't you? I do, yeah. I mean, I think partly, you know, it's that I found... Uh, what I do find interesting about financial services is that they go so much to the heart of people's lives. You know, money is very, very important stuff to people. People kill for it uh, on occasions. And, uh, you know, it's right up there with the most important things in people's lives. Um, and yet, when we come to communicate to people about money, uh, we, we seem to, you know, almost persuade ourselves that it's the most boring subject on earth and that they have no interest in it and no engagement with it and no enthusiasm for what we have to talk to them about. You know, what could be further from the truth? You know, money. Uh, every year, the Office of National Statistics does a piece of research into what is on the mind of kind of the UK population. What are we worrying about? And certain issues go up and down the charts from one year to the next. Things come in, people worry about the environment, and then they stop worrying about it, and so on and so forth. But there's a big three that are always there, the big three things that are on our minds in the UK, year in, year out, are money, health, and family. Roger, you're a man who's uh, built a lot of his career in the protection industry. You've got all three. You know, protection's about money, it's about your family, and it's about your health. You've got the three biggest things in life that people are concerned about uh, in their minds from year to year. How can that be boring? That's absolutely, absolutely right. And I'm really drawn to that comment that you made before about people kill for money. Why is it that something that's so important to everybody's lives has become 
almost anathema to, to advertisers and to, and to companies spending money on educating people about what they can do. I think that there are two probably main reasons, and one of those has largely faded away, but the other one has become more and more important. The one that's largely faded away is that, you know, the fact is there were a lot of very dull people working in the industry. And from my point of view, working in creative agencies for clients in financial services, it was often a fairly grim business. There were some wonderful, progressive, imaginative, exciting clients. And I had the, the privilege of working for some of them. I mean, do I dare mention the word actuary? <laughs> you can mention the word actuary. No problem I'm, at all. I'm sure I'm not to say actuary, you know, in polite company on, on a podcast. But there you are. I just said it. You can edit it out later. So, but I think that that's changed. I really, really think that's changed. I think that the, the caliber and the imagination and the uh, uh, originality of, of people in financial services and financial services marketing is just as great as it is anywhere else. But while the people in the industry have been getting livelier, the bad news, you know, and I've got to say this, the bad news has been the growing, ever-increasing, rising tide uh, of influence of, of regulation. And I think at the moment, regulation is absolutely killing our ability to engage with the public. One of the things that does worry me a lot is how regulation can stifle creativity. And I don't think regulation means to stifle creativity. I just think that there's, a, there's an inbuilt fear of crossing a line. But mm. I've had lots of conversations in, in recent times about putting together a marketing campaign here or even the idea of a, of a viral video for, to, to, to get communications out on YouTube. Mm. And the answer would always be, oh, that just crosses the line. That's a little bit too much. No, I agree. And, and I think that, uh, you know, that, that's a, an excellent example. And, and, and the, the really big issue, I think, now is just the extent to which you know, regulatory anxiety just dominates the whole discussion. I, I had a, an interesting experience. I'm working on a new product launch for an overseas financial services company. And to launch their product in the UK, they need a UK partner. And so a couple of months ago, we had an interesting afternoon in which we had a little beauty contest where three possible UK partners came in to talk to my client about what they could do for them and how they could partner with them and what ideas they had to make the partnership work. And I had the pleasure of sitting in on that, uh, those presentations, which was very interesting. But actually, to be honest with you, it wasn't very interesting because actually, in the three meetings over the space of about four hours, I would say that 90% of the conversation that, and the presentations that we received was about what the regulator would and wouldn't let us do. If, if 10% of the conversation was not about the regulator, I'd be surprised. Certainly no more than that. Um, and at the end of the afternoon, we didn't really have any sense of what these three firms could do for us at all. The only thing we really understood better was what their regulatory anxieties were. It isn't it, isn't it concerning? I, I received an, uh, a, a message from a headhunter recently, and they said, can I send you a, a brief for a marketing director? I got this job description through, and I read it, and... It was almost a head in the hands moment because all the bullet points in this resume for this job were along the lines of 
you need to comply with this rule and you need to obey that rule. Why didn't the resume say, we want you to come in and create a great marketing campaign which will set the, mar- the market alight, which will increase the business for our brand, will increase customer satisfaction and get lots more people engaged with financial services. But no, what it did is it said, you need to comply with this. Why would anybody want to apply for this job? Well, I think that things may be slowly starting to move in the right direction. I think that I think that the FCA probably now recognises that the current promotional code makes engaging, particularly with mass market consumers, virtually impossible, and that you know, the unintended consequence of the current situation is that most providers and even most advisors have withdrawn from the mass market. The mass market is now not served with financial services. And that can't be good. I mean, how can it be good for, you know, 30 million out of the uh, 45 million UK adults to have no organised, well-marketed access to products and services that could be very important to them? So, Lucian, let's let's just go back to the beginning and talk about how you put together your company, Lucian Camp Consulting. Right back to the beginning when the first idea came up and the light bulb went off. Obviously, a very strong focus on advertising within the financial services industry. So what was your goal for Lucian Camp Consulting? Um, What I wanted to do, probably first and foremost, was have a go at being a one-man band. Job title, the, 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 the four words on my business card, describes me as the entire workforce of Lucian Camp Consulting. Bob, um, I'm it, uh, and I intend to continue to, to be it. Uh, I've got no intention of building any kind of empire or, or even a little sort of mini state or a protectorate. Uh, it's just me, um, and that suits me fine. And I thought it would be a good thing to keep pointing myself at the financial services industry and keep pointing myself at advice in the area of branding and marketing and communications, which is what I know, uh, but to do so with absolutely no axe to grind, with no delivery capability, with nothing to sell except the advice itself, um, uh, and, and just do that as kind of frankly and, 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 and straightforwardly as I could. Uh, and one of the benefits, I thought, that would arise from that would be that I'd get to work with a lot of clients, other creative suppliers of one sort or another with other advertising agencies or design or branding companies and so on um, who I could cooperate with on client business but these days I thoroughly enjoy working with uh, a lot of other client, uh, a lot of other agencies to, uh, to help solve clients problems it's a pleasure I like the term solving problems because they really to me that's what financial services is all about and, and obviously in, in, uh, in, in my career one of the, the, the best moments is when you know that you've helped a client when you've paid out a life insurance claim or you've paid out a critical illness claim and almost they, they realise that finally that money they've been paying in for many months or years has actually benefited them to a large extent and, and so I share your uh, passion for getting these messages across. 95% of the time, um, I'm, I'm working in tandem with other agencies and in a role that suits me well as, as a one-man band, playing a, a, an advisory role in the process. I'm not making any claim to be able to do a lot of delivery. If you want to do a lot of delivery, if you want a load of ads or a website or a load of uh, marketing material, you know, I'm not the person to produce that for you. I, I know a man who can, um, and I can write a very good brief for that to be done. But I'm not the person now who does the delivery. So actually what you're saying perhaps is 
Do the bigger agencies, or, or even any agencies, perhaps not understand the financial services industry enough to actually make a strong enough campaign or advertising uh, spot? Or is it just to make sure that they focus on those issues of, of, of money and health and family? Is, is that the issue? Is it that, that, that there's so little financial services advertising been done throughout history that all of these big agencies need the help of an expert like yourself to get to the main nitty-gritty issues? Well, I mean, Roger, I think that's quite a big part of my sales pitch, actually, mate. I mean, if you like <laughs> my prospects and, and deliver those remarks, I'd be, I'd be very grateful to you. I mean, yeah, needless to say, I mean, pretty much throughout my career specialising in financial services, which... You know, it goes back altogether over 25 years. You know, I've been pitching the benefit of specialization um, and saying that as a specialist, I have you know, better understanding, better insight, better knowledge of consumers and, and, and what makes them tick and, and, you know, can do a better job. Now, of course, there is an opposite school of thought and there is a, some clients and, and some agencies, you know, do believe that, you know, it's better if your agency comes completely fresh to the subject and knows nothing about protection or pensions or whatever it is and is able to uh, react in a, in a fresh and imaginative way to a challenge that's completely new to them. Now, personally, I find that argument absolutely ludicrous. I mean, say for the sake of argument that I was suffering from, you know, a broken arm, would I actually want to be treated by a doctor who'd never seen an arm before? Um, or, or would I prefer someone who'd successfully dealt with quite a few arms over the years and have got a good track record of, of arm mending? Uh, you know, I know which way, which way I'd go on this. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I pitch the benefits of specialisation because I guess that's what I've got. And what, what challenges have you faced since you launched Lucy and Camp Consulting? What, what, uh, what challenges have you faced getting your initiative off the ground? Um, and on the whole, I have to say, three and a half years, nearly four years in, it has gone really well. Uh, people told me that the most difficult challenge as a one-man band would be, you know, the seesawing, you know, the, the wild fluctuations in the amount of work, and that I would go from, you know, feast to famine, and I'd have ten times too much work one month, and then no work at all the next month, and all that kind of thing. I, I've got to say, to be honest, I mean, it's fluctuated a bit, but not to a really difficult extent. That, that hasn't been too much of a problem. Um, most, of what I, most of the things people ask me to do are fairly quick turnaround, short-term problem solving. It's, it's coming in for a few days here or maybe a project spread over a few weeks there to solve a specific problem. So, Lucien, just tell us about one of the problems that people ask you to solve. Give us an, give us an example. A lot of what I do... A big chunk of it is around new product development of one sort or another, and uh, people having it in mind to to do something new, um, and particularly in the direct-to-consumer space. I mean, one of the things that has been very pleasing for me in the last few years has been to do with the way that the industry has sort of rediscovered the uh, the end consumer. A lot of firms, including you know, a lot of very big and successful firms, uh, have got very little experience of dealing with the end consumer. You know, for, for a generation, uh, their, their business has been, you know, intermediated, and the end consumer has been a bit of a mystery to them, really. So quite often, the job that I'll be doing, I think, is coming in to act as, you know, in a slightly cliched expression, the champion of the consumer, to try to make sure that the consumer's real voice and real needs and real behaviours 
are reflected in the team that is developing whatever the new product might be. And going back to the consumer, who we know feels that what we do for them is dull, what do we need to do to make protection and finance more accessible and indeed acceptable to consumers? Well, I think that the single most important point that we have to remember specifically about protection is that we, you know, on the protection side of the industry, uh, are really scarcely in the consumer's world at all these days. Uh, we have absented ourselves, you know, from the marketplace. The only, you know, significantly, you know, visible part of the protection industry to the mass market of consumers, or actually even to the, the higher end of the market too, for that matter, uh, is, is, is 50 plus. Michael Parkinson is the public face of the protection industry. There is no other face. You know, we're not there. What about the um, the Aviva advert, you know, the Paul Whitehouse, that great uh, moment where the ghost was stood on the stairs watching his family going on holiday, and, and he's obviously not going to go with them, but he's provided them with the means to afford to go on holiday because obviously he took out life assurance. Is that sort of advertising not resonating with the public? Yeah, I mean, I thought that, um, you know, I thought that that, uh, that was an excellent uh, commercial, which I admired and enjoyed very much. It was a great piece of work. I would point out that, in fact, it was a commercial that came out of Aviva's brand uh, team and brand budget. It, it wasn't an initiative specifically from the protection part of the business. It was protection's turn to be featured in Aviva's brand campaign. But still, I wouldn't knock it. I mean, it was an excellent commercial. But, but how long ago was that made now? Must be I mean, two or three years. Three years ago that was made, a bit more perhaps. Still talking about it because yeah, I'd say probably three years, and we're still talking about it because it's the last, you know it's the last one that there was. I mean, you know, how many commercials for you know for chocolate bars or for mobile phones or you know for for, for motor cars, you know, have there been over the last three years? I mean, hundreds, if not, you know, probably getting on for a thousand. You know, we've got this one commercial for Aviva from three years ago, and we're still talking about it. So if we were if we were to if we were to start today, if somebody came to you and said, Lucian, we want to produce an advertisement for consumers to make them realize how important it is to either save for their retirement or to protect their family against the possibility of critical illness or something like that what would be the most important features of that advertisement that you would recommend your clients took on board before you're ready to make an advertisement i think you i'm afraid i think you have got to build some new uh, route to market to enable consumers to buy your product you know, easily and, and, and quickly. Uh, most of the online buying processes for protection so far have been pretty bloody. I mean, going through underwriting you know, online you know, for many consumers uh, is a show-stopping process. It's, it's too hard. You know, the drop-off rates uh, at that point are terrible, and there's not an awful lot of point in spending a ton of money on a load of advertising encouraging people to visit your website if when they get there, you know, they're, they're not able to cope with, cope with what they find. So I think without going on about it at too much length, the first thing I'd say is you're probably not ready to advertise yet. How many times these days can consumers apply for something on a mobile phone or on the Internet or on their iPad and effectively have that product bought and even delivered to their house within 24 hours and yet the protection market thinks that it's fine to take up to three months or more to 
get somebody to the point where they've bought their product. No wonder people drop out of the, uh, out of the process. And yet it doesn't seem to be getting any better. In, in fact, it seems to be getting worse. So on the one hand, you've got the, the financial service industry making the application process more complicated, and yet all the other consumer um, products that you can buy on the Internet, airline tickets, books, CDs, MP3s, whatever it is, are moving to almost instantaneous purchase. So I, I, I absolutely agree with you. Until we sort out that horrendous application process, we really probably haven't got anything to advertise. No, I agree with that. And I'm afraid, I mean, I am absolutely no enthusiast for 50 plus insurance. I, I don't have any more enthusiasm for what goes on in that uh, part of the market than anybody else does. But having said that, I do think there are some very important lessons to learn from it. Um, and you know, the key points are, one, uh, you know, there's a simple proposition. There's a clear target market. Uh, there's a very quick process. There's, there's a key rational benefit, which is you know, the lack of uh, medical underwriting. Um, and there's a key emotional benefit in terms of elderly people feeling that they're they're doing the right thing for their families. And as I say, I think the result of that is, is a poor value product, which I take no great enthusiasm in. But I think it does tell us some things about how you succeed in the direct market. It's, uh, I mean, I think the thing that I do like about the over 50s products is the simplicity of application. And but, again, obviously with uh, PPI, much maligned, quite rightly. But again, you know, mortgage-based PPI products you could apply for almost instantaneously. And whilst those products are now um, off, off, the, off the radar, I think that the lesson that we should carry forward is that swift, instantaneous application process. And, of course, there will be a price that people would have to pay for swift and instantaneous application. But I believe that the public are getting to the stage now where they're looking for that quicker way of applying as opposed to this lengthy, um, off-putting process that we place in front of them. Well, I think that's right. And I think that one of the key issues here is to do with trying to uh, transfer uh, propositions to the direct market, which were important and necessary in the intermediated market. So clearly, you know, intermediaries uh, believe that a big part of what they do is getting the consumer the best deal. So when you're serving an intermediary market, clearly, you know, price and price competitiveness is, you know, rightly an extremely important part of the marketing proposition. All the evidence is that in the consumer market, there's a small segment of consumers who are highly price conscious, but that the large majority of consumers value other benefits higher than price. What would be the most important thing that you've learned from your Lucian Camp consulting business model since 2010 that you would like the listeners of the Empath podcast to remember for their own business success? I think that the most important thing is to be able to get inside the consumer's mind. And when you do, the most important thing you'll find is that the emotional part of the mind looms larger than the rational part. In, in the protection industry and probably in the whole of financial services, we have a wonderful opportunity to engage with people's emotions. The, the advice that I would give is emotion first, reason second. And how do we tap into emotion? Is it all about storytelling? Is it about painting pictures for people to, so that they can see the issues that they face and the solutions that they need? It often is. It often is. But a lot of it is to do with 
enabling people to recognize themselves in what we're saying and showing. I think that in financial services marketing, we, we have a sort of default set of, of sort of stereotype images that we wheel out. But I used to have a collection of mail shots for life uh, bond savings plans, 10, 15, 20 year savings plans. And I had about 30 of these. And in these mail shots, there was always um, a piece in the, in, the, in the brochure about what you could do with the money. And what you could do with the money always included taking a round-the-world cruise. And I think in the 30 mail shots I had, over 20 of them, 22 or 23, had images of, you know, couples in late middle age, you know, on the rail of a cruise liner, drinking a glass of champagne, looking out at the sunset. And they all had it, they all had it. And I thought, this is very interesting. You know, clearly this must be some massively strongly felt consumer need. So just to check that out, I put a question on a piece of market research and uh, asked people how much they wanted to go on a round-the-world cruise. And it turned out that only 16% of them said they wanted to go on a round-the-world cruise very much or fairly much. And yet, 23 out of 30 of these mail shots, you know, showed us pictures of a round-the-world cruise as one of our number one, you know, lifestyle aspirations. And this was an important moment for me. It made me realise that, that quite often our sense of what we think consumers want has got very little to do with the reality of it. I gave, in fact, the truth is, in that piece of research, I gave people a list of, uh, of alternative things that they might want to do with the proceeds of their savings plan. And uh, the winner, by a small majority, actually was putting a penguin pool in their back garden. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll look forward to seeing some marketing literature which specifically has pictures of penguin pools yeah. in the background and and as we, as we draw to as we draw to a close now obviously you've invested a lot of time and a lot of hard work into Lucene Camp Consulting what about tell us quickly about the results that you've achieved what are you most proud of that you've um, achieved over the last few years Lucien what I am quite pleased about has been the opportunity to to develop a bit of a voice in the, the financial services marketing area, which is, you know, a bit contrarian, you know, a bit dubious about some of the things that we, we, we do, um, a bit critical of some aspects of our industry, you know, starting from the point that, uh, you know, that consumers need what we do, that their level of financial services is potentially a great deal higher than we think it is, and that if we play our cards right and think through our propositions and think through our communications, uh, we can engage massively with people to their benefit and to our own. Oh, thank you, Lucian, for such a fascinating insight into your business. Before we go, uh, one of the features of the Empath podcast is a quick fire round of business questions. So you're just happy to answer a couple more questions before we go? Yeah, 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 go for it. Good. If there was one thing that you could change about the financial services industry, perhaps by waving the proverbial magic wand, what would it be? I've got to wave my magic wand in the direction of and try to uh, change the mindset of the regulator. Not so that we're less well regulated or not regulated or free to do all the terrible things, but just so that we get our priorities in the right order and recognise that making it possible to engage with people and draw them into uh, consideration of financial issues is, 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 what's really, is what really matters um, and that uh, regulation should act as an encouragement to communication, not as a barrier to it. And what is the one business model or product or campaign that's caught your attention in the last year? 
the launch of the Income Protection Task Force's uh, Seven Families Initiative, which literally, as you'll be well aware, kicked off last week and uh, achieved a good deal of uh, publicity, certainly in the trade media. And I do want to congratulate Peter LeBeau and the team on the task force for getting that initiative off the ground. I think it's a great thing that they've done. We all know how difficult it is, you know, to get uh, syndicated or collective, uh, you know, marketing or communication issues off the ground. Uh, the large majority never managed to leave the runway. Uh, and this one has left the runway and is now in flight. I've got to say, I wish that there were a couple more noughts on the marketing budget. But, uh, you know, hey-ho, you've got to start somewhere. And uh, I'm delighted to see that initiative up and running. No, it's great to see that Seven Families campaign kicking off, and I'm going to be following it with, uh, with a great deal of attention. Tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your life or your business. I think probably the one that I use most often. Uh, down here in London, I'm a great uh, enthusiast for travel by bus. I use the bus a lot in London. I use the bus to get to work in the morning. Uh, I quite often use the bus when I'm travelling about to meetings and so on. TFL these days do run a wonderful app on my phone, which allows me to see uh, when, how, how, long it, how long the wait will be until the next bus arrives at the bus stop. And that's a great app. It means that in the morning when I'm going to work, I can check that out and I can leave my house and I can walk to the bus stop, you know, perfectly so that I arrive at the same second that the bus does, which is extremely, you know, pleasing. And similarly, when I leave my office in the evening, I can walk to the bus stop just as a 29 is going to arrive. Yeah, the Transport for London app is fascinating. We actually have a very similar one up here in Edinburgh. Lothian buses do exactly the same. So in the same way as you can walk out your door and catch the 29, I can walk out of my door and I can catch the 44. And the final question is, what's the best business book you've ever read? Tell us why you like it so much and what you took from it. Well, I think in line with what I've been saying throughout this, uh, this conversation, I think I've got to choose probably all of the books uh, written by Michael Lewis about the, uh, the, you know, the, the financial meltdown of, of 2008 and its aftermath. What, what I love about uh, Michael Lewis's books um, is just how he makes the subject matter so rivetingly engaging. I mean, he is writing about, you know, very complex, you know, obscure, you know, workings of the financial services industry, um, technical subjects that uh, to the average person most of the time are utterly incomprehensible and yet he makes his stories you know as gripping and engaging and unputdownable as the best thrillers and that's a great achievement you know that's a great achievement and uh, I admire him for that I'd like to get him writing some copy for some of my clients I think that resonates with me as well Lucian I find that we seem to layer complexity upon complexity and I've always been a fan of simplicity not only simplicity in product but also simplicity in communication and I'm always a fan of somebody who can put complicated ideas into simple words so I'm definitely going to be checking those books out so Lucian thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today just before we go why don't you tell everyone how they can contact you either on Twitter or LinkedIn or, of course, your website? Well, uh, Roger, thanks for that opportunity. Um, uh, I, I have the advantage, um, you know, in terms of contact, of having an unusual name. There are, in fact, two Lucien Camps. There is me uh, and there's a bloke in Wisconsin who uh, is in the American Army who's another Lucien Camp. And I sometimes think I ought to see if I can find a way of getting in touch with him just to say hi. 
just as a kind of bonding experience. But what it does mean, being the only other Lucian camp, um, it, it does mean that, 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 that on the internet, I'm remarkably easy to find. I mean, Google Lucian camp or, or Google, you know, Lucian camp's blog. You find my blog, you know, Google Lucian camp, you find my Lucian camp consulting website. Um, you know, surprisingly enough, you know, my, uh, my Skype address, which uh, is the way that we're speaking to each other today, is indeed Lucian.camp. Um, so, yeah, so uh, when I was a kid, I used to be a bit embarrassed about being called Lucian Camp. I wished I was called Roger Edwards, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I, thought it would make life, uh, I thought it would make life easier. But as the years have gone by, I've come to the conclusion that probably, well, provided that I actually want to be found, um, it probably makes finding me uh, a good deal easier. I'm sure after listening to our conversation today, there's going to be a few people who probably will want to get in touch with you in the future, Lucian, so I hope that happens. So thanks again for talking to me, and let me wish you success, and I hope to catch you up with you again very soon. Thanks, Roger. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Protection and Finance Podcast, also known as the Empath Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash empath for links to the apps and books and topics we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, I'd be grateful if you would leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a comment. If you are a provider, advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model that you want to talk about, do please get in touch. I'd be delighted to have you as a guest on the Empath Podcast. And before we go, just to remind you that nothing that my guests and I talked about on the show is intended to be financial advice of any kind. It's just our thoughts and opinions. Okay? Okay.